But I love this little book of Habakkuk. I think the reason that it speaks to me so much is because this little book here, Habakkuk, reveals a personal struggle that uh, is taking place in Habakkuk's life. And it's very interesting because the struggle that's taking place in Habakkuk's life is not between him and a fellow citizen or a fellow believer or anything like that. It's a struggle between him and God. And if you can honestly say, well, I don't think you can honestly say it, but if you did say this morning that you've never struggled with God, I think I would call you a liar to your face this morning. Because the truth is, you don't always agree with what God does. And you don't even always like what God does and what God allows in our life. But the truth is this, is that God is always God and God is always right and He's never made a mistake and He's never made a wrong turn and He's never made a misstep and He's never said, oops, I didn't mean to do that. And He's never said, man, let's go back to the drawing board and get a plan B. I think it was old Vance Havner that said, has it ever occurred to you that nothing has ever occurred to God? He doesn't think up something all said, man, well, I wish I would have thought of that. No, God knows everything. And every decision that God ever makes is made in that, in, in light of the fact that He knows the end from the beginning. He's the Alpha and He is the Omega. And He is perfect in every one of His ways. He is just. He is righteous. He is a God of truth. He is without iniquity. He is uh, light and in Him is no darkness at all. Everything that He does is right. And for us to ever take a finger and point it in the face of God and say, Lord, I don't think what you're doing is right, uh, that is absolute blasphemy on our part because He is perfect in every single way. And all you can say to that is amen right there because it is absolute truth. In fact, the name Habakkuk, it means one who struggles, one who wrestles. He is the wrestler. He is wrestling with God. And Habakkuk stands out as a unique uh, uh, book because most of your minor prophets, except a few, most of your minor prophets are very impersonal. And what I mean by that is it's simply God speaking to the preacher, God speaking to the prophet, and then he declares his message, declares God's message to the people. And so it is God speaking to the prophet and then the prophet speaking to the people. God speaks to the prophet and the prophet speaks to the people, and that's all we have. But when we come to the book of Habakkuk, the reason that it stands out just a little bit more than the others it's because this is not a message of God speaking to the prophet and then the prophet speaking to the people. But Habakkuk records Habakkuk speaking to God and then God speaking back to Habakkuk and then Habakkuk speaking back to God and then God speaking back to Habakkuk and then Habakkuk speaking again. It is a conversation between God and the prophet. And they are going back and forth. And the reason I think it resonates with me and with others so much, I, I believe, is because it, 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 uh, it, it, it has some personality to it. There is a, there is a relatability to this. As Habakkuk is bearing out his, uh, bearing out his heart uh, to uh, God about the situation that he is in. It's usually those books of the Bible that have uh, personality to them that we can relate with, especially in this minor prophet category. Most of them do not 
have that. But when we think about Hosea, we think about, man, that is, that is personable. Uh, there are real life circumstances that he went through. And we can see that when we think about Jonah, we all know what it's like to disobey God and to try to get out of God's will and things like that and how God has to correct us and all that. And so there's some personality to it. There's some personableness, some relatability to that book. And that's the way it is with Habakkuk. It is uh, relatable to us because we all know what it's like uh, to disagree with God, to not like exactly what God is doing and the way that God is uh, doing things. Habakkuk ministered during the closing days of, uh, of, uh, of the King Josiah. It's at the very end of his reign, the best we can tell, that he uh, had his ministry. If you know anything about Josiah, you know that it was days of revival, right? Josiah was a, a, a young man when he began to reign, I think eight years old. And at some point, they found the book of the law. Do you remember that story? Man, what a wonderful story that is. They found the book of the law, and he reinstituted Passover worship. And they started uh, getting the, uh, the high places and the groves and the idols out of the land... Man, a revival swept across uh, the land just for a little bit. And uh, I always think about, and I was telling the kids this past week, every time I think about Josiah, I always think about a message I heard Brother Gammons, Brother Tim Gammons, the former pastor here. I heard him preach it long before I ever stepped foot in Walters Grove Baptist Church. I heard him preach it probably 13, 14 years ago. And uh, he preached about the revival during the days of Josiah, one of the greatest messages I've ever heard. And uh, he preached on it. And I'll never forget, I can remember the points exactly. He said that revival in the days of Josiah, he said he was youth-led. I always liked that. Eight years old. He was just a young man when we started to reign, but he was a young man when he started uh, uh, changing things and cleaning house there in Israel. Isn't it amazing what God can do with young people? You don't have to wait till you get old for God to use you. Amen. Amen. Do something for God. Remember, now that creator of the days of our youth. All right, so it was youth-led. And then I like this one right here. He said he was word-fed. Amen. They found the book of the law. They started doing what was in the Bible, what was in the law of Moses. And they said, man, listen, the Bible, listen, the Bible says do this, but man, we're not doing that. And then he said, you know, the Bible says we ought to be observing these feasts and these sacrifices and, and, and all these things, and, and, and we're not doing any of those things. And you know what we're going to do? We're going to realign with the Word of God. Do you know what revival really is? If you want to know what a real revival really is, it's when you realign yourself with the Word of God. That's what revival is. We really need more of a re-Bible than we need a revival. Most people looking for revival, they're just looking for an emotional stirring. They're looking for something to make them feel fuzzy and funny on the inside. What we need is a re-Bible. That Bible in your lap right there, man, if you just get right with it and do what it says, you'd have revival in your heart. Amen. That's exactly right. It was youth-led. It was word-fed. Then he said, he said it was blood-red. I like that. They reinstituted the Passover. They started observing what God did for the nation of Israel through the blood of the Lamb. Man, that's so good. But here's, here's what I was thinking about. Here's where Habakkuk is. Here's where it all ties in. Here, here's, here was his last point. Brother Gammon said it was youth-led. It was word-fed. It was blood-red. He said, but it was soon dead. It was soon dead. He said that revival in the days of Josiah... You can read about it at the end of his life. Josiah disobeys the very word of God that he used to obey. 
The next generation suffered because of it. In fact, the next generation after Josiah was carried off into captivity, Nebuchadnezzar comes in and, and, and invades the city of Jerusalem and he takes captive uh, uh, men like Daniel and we know him as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and all that. All that happens after that revival. God gave them a little space of grace. God gave them just a little reprieve, a time where they could get right, but it did not last. And Habakkuk is living in the days where in the back of his mind, in his memory banks. He can see revival and he can remember how it used to be and how the people of God uh, removed the idols out of the land and, and reinstituted the Passover and, and was seeking after God and, and wanting God more than anything else. In the back of Habakkuk's mind, he can remember that revival, but in the forefront of his vision, he looks around and that's not what's going on. And it's sorrow and it's sin and it's injustice and it's wickedness all around them and it's backsliddenness and it's apathy and it's idolatry and he looks around and he sees the wickedness of his society and he remembers man, God used to move around here. God used to do something around here. God used to uh, man, we used to be looking for God and seeking after God and searching for God but now look where we are and he's a burden man and that's when Habakkuk chapter 1 opens up. In fact, it's the very second word of the book. It's the burden which Habakkuk did see. He looked around and he was burning over what was going on in his land. By the way, if you can look on sin, if you can be backslid, if you can be apathetic, if you can be cold and different on the inside, and it does not bother you one bit, my friend, you are in bad shape this morning. If you can look on sin, if what's going on in our nation does not burden you, if it does not bother you, listen, my friend, that you have you have succumbed to the spirit of the age. Uh, you have you are in lockstep with the spirit of disobedience that and the spirit of wickedness and idolatry that is working in the children of uh, disobedience today, my friend. It ought to bother us. It ought to grieve us. It ought to cause us to weep. It ought to cause us to want to pray and get on our knees when we see the wickedness going on in this day. It ought to cause us to want to hunker down and say, I don't want to have anything to do with it. This world can do what they want to do, but I don't want any bit of it. Amen. I don't want a, I don't want a bite of it at all. I'm not looking to fit in. I'm looking to get raptured out of here. Amen. Some people say, well, preacher, you're just out of date. No, I'm just out of place. Amen. This world is not my home. I don't belong here. I don't belong here. And that's where Habakkuk is. Chapter 1, he's a worried man. He's burdened over sin. And he calls out to God and he says, God, do something about all this sin. Well, God answers them, doesn't he, in chapter 1? And God tells them what he's going to do. He's going to send the Chaldeans in to judge, uh, judge his people. And then Habakkuk says, well, Lord, I don't like that idea. I love Habakkuk because God, he, 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 he's, he's honest with God. He says, God, I want you to do something. And then when God tells him what he's going to do, he says, I don't like that. Do something else. And he begins to wrestle with God. He's a worried man in chapter 1. He's a warned man in chapter 2. God warns Habakkuk about trusting him even when you don't understand. One of the key verses is, of course, verse number 4. The just shall live by his faith. I love verse number 20 of chapter number 2. It's probably my favorite of all of it. I can really relate with this one right here. When just God tells Habakkuk, the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. Pretty much God saying, listen, I'm on the throne. You just sit down and you shut up. You ever tell your kids that? Yes, you do, you liar. I know you do. Shut up! I'm mama, I'm daddy, we're going to do it, what I want to do. Amen. Kids need that every now and then, isn't that right? 
My dad always told me, you're not old enough to have an opinion in this house. Amen. I didn't have an input on anything. And that's what God pretty much told him back at you. You need to live by faith. You need to trust me. I know who the Chaldeans are. I know how wicked they are. I will take care of them. I will deal with them. You don't worry. You just sit down and be quiet. You let me be God and you be the prophet. He's a warned man. Then I love chapter 3. He's a worshiping man in chapter 3. Because it's amazing how this book ends with a declaration of Habakkuk's commitment to worship God. And he's going to worship God not because he likes what's going on, not because he agrees with everything that God is doing, not because because he's, he's excited about the judgment that is coming on his land, but he's going to worship God simply because God is worthy of worship no matter what. And I want to read that. It's the last three verses of Habakkuk. Look at verse 17 of chapter 3. We're going to read a little scripture here, finally. Habakkuk 3, 17. Here's Habakkuk. Here's what he comes to. Here's the conclusion that he comes to after all this. He said, Although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the vines... The labor of the olive shall fail, and the field shall yield no meat, and the flock shall be cut off from the fold, and there shall be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength, and He will make my feet like hinds feet, and He will make me to walk upon my high places to the chief singer on my stringed instruments. And it's amazing how he goes from a worried man to a worshiping man at the end of this book. Something takes place, something transforms in his heart and in his life where he realizes that God is worthy of worship no matter what. And I want to look at this worship in Habakkuk's life. And I thought about this. There are three kinds of of worship that I want you to see this morning. Number one, there is what I want to call the I know worship. There is I know worship. And that is where you worship God out of obligation. You worship God because He has demanded worship. By the way, I'm not going to say there's anything wrong. There's nothing wrong with that. Listen, God said, the Bible says, let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. I'm going to tell you something, friend. It is not an option. It is not a suggestion. It is not a preference. It is a Bible command that you praise God, that you worship God. If He has put breath in your lungs, you should have praise coming in out of your lips. If He's put breath in your lungs, you should have praise in your lips because God has been good and God has demanded our worship and we ought to worship God simply because it is obedience. It is a sacrifice of praise. It is the fruit of our lips giving thanks unto His name. And there is that I know worship. I'd love to say every time I come into the house of God I felt like just throwing up my hands and and running a a lap and and, and saying amen. I, I wish I could tell you every time I come in I felt like that. But there's been times my friend when I've come in 
the house of God and I didn't feel like that. Man, I've had some hurt, hurt in my heart. I've had some hatred in my heart. I've had some sin in my life. I've had whatever it may be, distractions in my life, problems in my life, burdens that I was carrying, battles that I was fighting, and I would come in and I didn't feel like praising God. But you know what? I did it because I knew that's what you're supposed to do and that's what you ought to do and that's what Christians do and that's what the Bible commands. And if you're going to be obedient, you've got to worship God. It is not an option. It is a Bible command. That's basic worship. That is elementary. That is on the bottom. I'm going to do it because I'm supposed to. You say, well, that's fake. People say that. Well, I, if I don't feel it, I shouldn't do it. That's fake. No, it's called being, it's called being an adult. Is what, it's called being a mature Christian is what it is. How many of you only go to work when you feel like it? How many times would you call out of work if, if every time you didn't feel like going... You didn't go. How many think you'd still have a job? When you show up for work, your boss doesn't say, do you really want to be here or are you faking it today? You don't care. Show up, do your job. <laughs> right? I mean, I'm sure they would love for you to like it and have a good attitude, but right now in this economy, just show up and be there. Hey, man. <laughs> you don't say, you know what, I feel like just such a hypocrite today. I'm over here, you know, I'm doing all this work and I just don't feel like it. I'm saying, no, it's not a hypocrite. It's called being a mature. Being mature. It's called maturity is what it is. And when you can obey the Word of God, even when your flesh is, I just don't feel like it today, that's called maturity. That's called maturity. That's the first level of worship. I know. I'm going to do it because I know it's right. Let me give you the second level of worship. Don't get excited. This is just an introduction, all right? Quick message, though. First level is I know. Second level, I'm going to call it this, it's the because so level of worship. There is that I know. I'm going to do it because I know it's right. I don't feel like it, but I'm going to do it. But then there is that because so, and that is when you are overcome with the goodness of God, you are overwhelmed with the blessings of God on your life, and, and, and your worship is a response, it is a reaction to something that God has recently done in your life. Maybe He's answered a prayer, uh, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe He surprised you with a blessing in your life, or maybe like Miss Cindy over here just stood up, she's just overwhelmed thinking about the goodness of God, and thinking about the security that is in Christ thinking about these truths started resonating in her heart and it was just bubbling over and she couldn't help it and she just had to get up and brag on Jesus just for a minute. By the way, I love that kind of worship right there. Man, I, I know what it's like to get in church and not feel it and just do it because you're supposed to but listen, I know what it's like too uh, for God to move in my soul, amen, and for God to help me and remind me of all His goodness in my life and He say, man, Chris, you ever thought about the fact that you're not going to hell. And I say, oh, man, Lord, you're right. Woo, hallelujah. Amen. Chris, you ever thought about the fact that I called you to preach when you ain't nothing and you ain't nothing without me, but I still use you anyway. And I think, man, that's exactly right. Praise God. Chris, you ever thought about the fact, man, I give you a good wife and I give you good, good kids and good family. And man, I give you a car to drive and a house to live in. And man, I've given you good friends. And man, you ever think about all that stuff? Man, the Holy Ghost begins to stirring around on the inside and it's just like I can't help 
myself, but I gotta say, Amen. I gotta say, Hallelujah. I gotta say, I love Jesus, and I gotta worship Him because He's been so good to me. And I love that kind of worship. That's good. It's the I know kind of worship. And then there's the, the because so kind of worship. But here's what I want to look at this morning. Just for a minute. I see what time it is. It's the kind of worship Habakkuk had. It's in verse 17. It's the first word. It's that although kind of worship. And that's what I want to preach on just for a second. I want to preach on although worship. There's that I know worship. Do that obligation, obedience, maturity, discipline, duty. There's that because so worship where you do it out of reaction, response, emotion, overflow. But then there's that although worship. (laughs) That worship where... Honestly, things are pretty cruddy all around. (laughs) And ain't nothing going right. And everything seems to be against you. And everything seems to be trending downward. And and, and the money's low. And and you're not feeling good. And it's uh, it's tough at work. And and it's tough at home. and, And all kind of things are going on all around you in your life. But you decide, you know what? I'm just going to worship God anyway. It's worship in spite of God not answering your prayers. It's worshiping God when He does things like in Habakkuk's life where He does things that you don't want Him to do. It's worshiping God for who He is. Not just what He's done or what He could do. And it's not out of obligation. It's not out of duty. It's a real sense of the presence of God and the power of God and and, and the person of God and who He is. And you get so overwhelmed with just who He is and you realize that God is worthy of worship even in our all those. And and, uh, even though we got things going on in our life that we don't like, we, we come to God anyway and we say, Lord, I love You and I'm thankful for You. And And although you're allowing things in my life that I don't agree with, and although you're allowing things in my life that I don't like, I'm going to worship you anyway just because you are God and you are good all the time. It's amazing to me. He starts this book off struggling with God, but he ends this book singing to God. It's a song. You see at the end of verse number 19? It's a song. Singing to God. He starts out wrestling with God. But now he's worshiping God. How did he get from the the worry to the worship? How did he get from the struggling to the singing? Well, I think there's three elements of all the worship. I'm going to give it to you just real quick. Number one, I'm going to call it this, a burdened confession. A burdened confession. That's where it starts. It starts with a burdened confession. Because what I notice in verse number 17 is that Habakkuk starts itemizing. He starts categorizing, cataloging all the things that are going on. 
He, he clearly states all the bad things that are happening and that are going to happen in the future. And he can see them all. He can see the will of God. He can see it all. And he doesn't, it doesn't look pleasant at all. And you could go through these things in verse 17. The fig tree is not going to blossom. There's not going to be fruit in the vines. The labor of the olive shall fail. The field shall yield no meat. The flock shall be cut off from the fold. There shall be no herd in the stalls. It sounds like barrenness. It sounds like weakness. It sounds like emptiness. It sounds like sorrow. It sounds like trouble. It sounds like uncomfortableness. It sounds like all kind of things that is going on here in uh, in Habakkuk's life. And it's just bad after bad after bad. And what's amazing to me is that a lot of people think if they're going to worship God, then they have to somehow ignore all those things. They think that worshiping God, the only way that you can get happy in the Lord and the only way that you can joy in God and rejoice in the Lord is you have to take all those bad things that are happening in your life and you have to take them and you got to push them out of the way and you got to push them back and you got to hide them. And, and some people think that the only way that they can worship God is that they, that they have to live in some kind of little fantasy land where all these things don't exist and you have to ignore them and, and act like they're not real and oh no, I'm fine. And you put on this big fake smile on the outside and act like everything's okay. But can I tell you something? You're not really worshiping God until you get really real with God. Until you get really honest with God. Can I tell you something? I don't know what's going on in your life. You might have bad health right now. You might have bad financial things going on right now. You might have family problems right now. You might have friend problems right now. I don't know what's going on in your life. But if you think that the only way that you can worship God is to somehow ignore those things and act like they don't exist and then you got to come into God's presence like everything's perfect and everything's great and everything's wonderful so you can worship Him. I want to tell you what, you are sadly mistaken this morning. Although worship is the kind of worship where you take all those things and you don't leave them outside and you don't ignore them like they don't exist, but you grab them all up and you march them into the throne room of God with you and you say Lord, all these bad things are going on in my life. Everything's falling apart part. And Lord, everything looks like it's just going to get worse from here on out. Things are not trending in the right direction. And God, I want you to know that this is wrong and this is wrong and this is bad and this hurts and I'm having trouble here and I'm struggling there. And Lord, I'm having trouble here. But I want you to know that I'm not going to act like they don't exist. But I'm going to bring them into the throne room with me and I'm going to use them to worship you anyway. And although all these things are happening, I'm still going to rejoice and I'm still going to praise your name anyway. That's all though worship. It's not some kind of you don't have to you don't have to turn off your brain to worship God. You don't have to ignore things to worship God. Bring your problems, bring your struggles, bring what you're wrestling with, and bring it what you don't even bring what you don't like. That's what David did when he worshiped. He'd take his complaint, say, Lord, here's my complaint, here's all the things you're doing I don't like. Here's all the things going on in my life I don't like. And you know what he did? He said, he poured them out right in front of God. That's what he said. He said, Lord, here's my complaint. If you think that worship has to be when everything's going good and everything's perfect and everything's right, or you've got to pretend like it is to worship God, you don't know what real worship is. Real worship is that although worship. In fact, that's what the word although means. The word although, it means grant all this. It means admit all that. 
It means, be it so. It, it has the idea of, of realizing and recognizing and admitting, like a, a confessing, a burden confession is what I'm talking about. A confessing, Lord, this is how it is. This is how it is. But in spite of how it is, I'm still going to worship you anyway. Real worship is not disconnected from reality. You don't have to enter into a dream world where everything's perfect and it. Everything is just wonderful to worship God. No one's asking anybody to pretend like all their problems don't exist. What I'm telling you to do is take your situation and worship God although all those things are going on in your life. Although worship is a burden confession. Let me give you another thought on that. Although worship is a broken connection. It's a broken connection. See, this is, and this is really the key to all of it right here. If you're going to worship God in spite of whatever things going on, what you have to do is you have to break the connection between your worship and your circumstances. You have to break the connection between what you're going through and who God is and how He is worthy of worship. You see, it doesn't ignore the circumstances. This kind of worship does not ignore it. It does not wear rose-colored glasses and act like everything's fine and, and nothing's going on. That is not, that's not what real worship is. That's not this although worship. What it does, it brings it into bear. And it says, yes, these things are true. Yes, I don't like this. And yes, this is going on in my life. And, and yes, I'm struggling here. And yes, I'm having a problem. And yes, all these things are true. I'm not acting like they don't exist. I'm not ignoring them at all. I just refuse to let them dictate whether I'm going to worship or not. That's what all the worship is. I'm going to break the connection. I'm going to untether my worship from being run exclusively by my circumstances and by my reality. Although worship says yes, these things are going on in my life right now. I'm just not going to let them hinder my joy in God. That's what all the worship is. It's like what Job had in mind. Ooh. When he sat in them ashes. And he said, naked came I into this world. Out of my mother's womb and naked I'm going to go. I didn't have anything when I came. I don't have anything when I leave. The Lord giveth. Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And then he goes on to say, though. Now, he didn't have an all, though, but we're going we're gonna to rope it in there. It was a though. He said, though he slay me. What did he say? Yet will I trust in him. Job said, my worship is not connected to my circumstances. And it's good to worship God when, when He's been good to you and you can remember something. That's good. That's good. But if it's only hooked up to that when things are going bad, you're not going to be able to worship. It's got to be hooked to something a little more stable than life. Because life is like this. Some of y'all know that. It's up and down. It's up and down. You ever seen somebody hooked up to a heart monitor? It's up and it's down and it's up. You know what flat means? <laughs> That's not good. If you're living, it's ups and it's downs and it's mountains and it's valleys. 
That's how life is. You be, your worship better not be hooked to those things. Or you won't be worshiping long. It's kind of what David had in mind, I believe. And again, it's not an all though, it's a though, but he said in that wonderful 23rd Psalm, didn't he say, Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he said, I will fear no evil. These men had, a, had an although kind of worship. Although worship is a commitment to God in spite of circumstances. Although worship, it's a burdened confession. It's a broken connection. And I'll give you one more and I'm done. It's a bold conviction is what it is. Although worship is a bold conviction. I want you to see Habakkuk's conviction. In verse number 19, here's what he really believed. The Lord God is my strength and He will make my feet like hinds feet and He will make me to walk upon mine high places. Habakkuk had a firm conviction. He had a firm faith in the fact that God was not going to leave him hanging, that God was going to take care of him in spite of all the bad things that were going on, in spite of all the bad things that were going to happen. He looked ahead and he just said, I believe God is too good to not take care of me. He will help me and I'm going to worship God and I am going to join God, not because He's doing everything that I want Him to do, not because He's answering every prayer like I want Him to answer, not because He moves every time I snap my fingers, but I am going to worship God because I know who He is and I know what He does and I know how He takes care of His youngins. He said, I know. It's a will. It's a future thing. He said, He will make my feet like hind's feet. You know what that is? You know what a hind is? It's a deer. It's a doe, a deer, a female deer. I'm singing that all morning. That's what it's fast, swift. Believe me, I know. I couldn't move out of the way the other day. I hit one with my with my car. They're fast. He said, "Lord, you're going to give me strength. You're going to. I know the problem's bad, but <laughs> but you're going to. I know what's coming's bad." He said, but you're going to give me strength to keep on running no matter what. You're going to make them like hinds feet. I know, God, that I don't don't like what's happening. I don't like what you're going to let happen. But I know that you will give me strength to go through whatever is coming my way. And I want to thank God for the grace of God this morning. I don't always like the trials that He sends. I don't always like the thorns that He puts in. But God is faithful always to give grace for every mile and every trial. And every thorn has its own set of grace that helps us go through it. Praise God. Habakkuk said, I know that He's going to give me strength. And then I like what he said. He said in verse 9, he said, and He will make me to walk upon mine high places. You know what Habakkuk was saying? He said, man, I'm in a valley now. 
He said, but I ain't going to stay in this valley. He said, I'm gonna, there's some high places. He said, there's some, there's some high up places that are there. I'm not there now. I'm definitely not there now. In fact, it looks like I might be going further down into the valley than what I even want to go. I might be going through the valley of the shadow of death and walking through some scary things. He said, but what I know is this. If I know anything about God, I know He ain't going to let you die in the valley. He's not going to forsake you in the valley. Listen, you might be in a valley right now, but that is not the last chapter of the story. Amen. Praise God. I'm about I'll punt that thing out into the sound booth. Man, I'm excited about the fact that the valley is not it. You say, well, what if we die down here? Can I tell you, we got a mountaintop waiting on us. This life ain't all there is. Amen. I tell you, I've read the back of the book and I found we're going to be on a holy mount with the Son of God ruling and reigning. Man, what a wonderful thought it is to know that it don't matter how bad it gets here. I'm glad there's a high place waiting on us somewhere else. And that was Habakkuk's conviction. I believe it. I don't see it, but I, I believe it. I, 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 can't, I can't hardly imagine it, but I know it to be so. Because I know God. And that although worship, that's exactly what it is. It's knowing that, yeah, okay, it's not good right now. And it may get a little bit worse. But I'm going to praise God anyway. I'm going to worship God anyway. I may not feel like it. I may not can point around to something recent and say, Lord, you've been so good right here. I'm going to, even though we got a million things. But you know how we are. We don't always, we can't always see all them blessings. We don't always feel all them blessings. But that although worship says, you know what? I'm not going to try to, I'm not going to, try to fake it. I'm not going to try to pretend like it don't exist. I'm going to take all them things, God, that I don't like. And I'm going to bring, it, bring them with me. And I'm just going to lay them down at your feet. And I'm just going to worship you in spite of everything that's going on. I don't like where I'm at. But God, if I know anything about you, God, I know. This ain't the end. We're headed to higher ground. Amen. And you know what he did? Oh God, God turned old Habakkuk, turned his, song, turned his struggle into a song. Habakkuk wrote all that down and said, you know what? Here, Miss Maddie, why don't you sing this for me? All right. She loves it when I do that. Here, sing this song. Find this song. He said, I'm going to give it to the chief singer on the stringed instrument. He said, I'm going to take what I've been going through and what I've been struggling with, and we're going to sing it loud for the whole world to hear. God is worthy of worship no matter what. Let's stand together all over the building.